Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, now living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Bebe. Hey, hi, Jason. You still sound a little bit nasal, but <laughs> almost perfect. Yeah. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today we have on the show Mr. Munoz, who was awarded honorary citizenship by the Dongguan government in Guangdong, where he lives, although he doesn't really live there now. He's kind of traveling. He does voiceovers for local TV stations and actively participates with media in and about China, including with CGTN, CRI, that's China Radio International, and China Daily. He's hosted two long-form documentaries for China Global Television Network and is an influencer on YouTube with just one of his channels has 31,000 followers for Mubi. He also hosts YouTube's Are We There Yet? and for Mubi en Espanol for our fans in the Chinese mainland. You can find him on Douyin, Toutiao, Billy Billy under the titles for Mubi and Gao Fei Shua. Welcome to the program, Fernando. Yay! Well, thank you very much, Jason and Baby, for having me. Can I call you Mr. Gao? Is that like a last name? Yes. Well, yes, yes, yes. I am fully trained to respond yeah, to that. Yeah, because wait, wait, where did that name come from, though? Because I can't really make uh, association, you know, with your uh, original name, Fernando Burnell. Am I saying it right? Yeah, you're saying it right, Munoz Bernal. But when I came to China, uh, I was really into skydiving. I was working uh. as a skydiver back in Colombia. So my first boss here in China mm. asked me like, hey, um, what kind of things do you like? And I said, I like skydiving. So she said, okay, golfing. And what does that mean? Does oh. mean like fly high or soar the sky? I'm like, I'm sold. <laughs> wow. And then a few weeks later or months later, I figured out that that's a goofy name in Chinese. So idiot me. But anyway. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that sounds like Disneyland. Maybe that's Goofy. No, that's Goofy's no, name. No, 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 it's not. It, is Goofy's it, name. it, it sounds like oh, Goofy's name. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a nice name. It's like you you know you're flying high and yeah. as if uh, you're realizing all your aspirations. It's a very nice name. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, and uh, so welcome to the show, Mister Gao. You, thank you, baby. <laughs> so you're originally from Colombia. Can you tell us a little bit about where in Colombia you're from and what life is like there? Well, I was born uh, in a city called Cali that we call it the second largest city, but the second largest city calls us the third largest city. <laughs> um, <it's laughs> After I finished my, my um, middle school, I moved to Bogota to finish my high school over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, well, living in Colombia is uh, very different from living in China because it's such a small country. Mm-hmm. However, we do have a very beautiful scenery. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we are at the end of the Andes mountain chain. Mm-hmm. So when it enters Colombia in the south, it splits into three. So we have three different mountain ranges inside a very small country. Mm-hmm. So you go from 3,000 meters above sea level to down to 500 meters above sea level mm-hmm. in, a, in a distance of 300 kilometers. So it's, it's very, very different from um, any other country. We have a lot of mm-hmm. uh, climates, a lot of different foods, fruits, and the scenery is just uh, breathtaking. 
it's really, really interesting to to visit if you ever have. You've been in China for more than twenty years, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's going to be twenty two years in eight days. <laughs> I arrived on December twenty eighth of the year two thousand. Wow! <laughs> Will there be a celebration? <laughs>、uh, well, nothing special. Probably we have some changfeng or something. Oh,、uh, oh, that's your that's your bre-、uh, favorite breakfast item. I saw in one of your videos. Yeah, on Bilibili, I I really enjoy your videos. Changfeng <laughs> is really so good.、Um, it's if if I can have it every day. I'll have it every day, but depends on where we are. These days that we're traveling, it's a little bit more difficult to find it. But yeah,、hmm. it's my favorite breakfast challenge. <laughs> I just want to say because I'm so excited to meet、um, another Colombian because、uh, actually we don't see a lot of、uh, as many people from South America here in China. Well, that's also because I don't get out much. <laughs>、um, Jason knows, but、um, at least I know、uh, someone else from Colombia. Uh, she's one of my daughter's first grade teachers here in, in Beijing. Oh, okay. And so I'm, I'm just really excited. Yay! <laughs> I'm, I'm really getting around now, <laughs> getting to know more people.、Um, is it like? Are there a lot? Do you know、uh, a lot of other、um, people from South America living in China? Well,、uh, in Dongguan, basically, it became the shoe manufacturing of the world, and before China, it was Brazil.、Oh. So Guangdong and Dongguan, where I lived,、mm. um, had a huge population of Brazilian people、mm. that moved here、mm-hmm. to to bring their expertise in shoe manufacturing and and to set up companies and trading and all on all the supply chain、mm. that comes with making shoes.、Mm. So back in the early two thousands,、uh, you could find. A thousand Brazilian people in Dongguan.、Mm. Um, obviously, Colombians,、uh, people trading,、uh, doing what we call、um, seasonal trading. So they would come here, spend a couple of months going to factories and placing orders、mm. and shipping everything back to、uh, Colombia. So you had a few of those people,、mm. but、um, to be honest. We're not that <laughs> not that many in 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 China. Well, we certainly welcome more. You know, tell your friends. Do you, do you,、uh, can people watch your videos in Colombia in your like hometown? Well, there's a there's a language issue.、Uh, there's a language issue because in Colombia,、um, how to say there's indigenous languages. I wouldn't actually know how many to say, but、mm. um, the percentage of people who speak English or who understand English or who consume content in English、mm. is really. Small. Okay, I see. So not a lot of people actually watch my 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 content in English, which is why I thought, okay, perhaps I could have some content in Spanish.、And、it's one of the things that I want to do. I want、mm. to、um, produce more content in Spanish so that I can start to bridge our two cultures a little bit more effectively. Because in English, it's not gonna it's not gonna、mm. fly. Um, and also, I just want to know: Do you think there will be more? Uh, trade between China and Colombia in the future, or other South American nations. I heard that you know well, you guys have huge、definitely. avocados. I'm very curious. Yeah, like yeah. how big can they get? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you can get in the size of、um, a small papaya. I mean, they can get really, really big. Wow.、Um, like. I don't know, like the small helmet. Wow, they're really huge. See, Jason,、avocados. did you hear that? Avocados. Do they、oh、taste the same as, as Central American like avocados? Do they taste the same? Yeah, they do.、Oh, wow. They are actually creamier and、uh, a lot softer and a lot more flesh.、Mm. And、uh, of course,、mm. the core is larger. At the same time,、uh, you get、oh, a lot more flesh. Nice. They're really, really good. Look, the trade, the trade with China,、um, it's for whatever reason、mm. hasn't. Being fully exploited, right? That's what、uh, I exploited. Why、um, I asked. There is so much potential,、mm. and there's one thing that I particularly like is that we recently elected our first、uh, leftist. 
president, um, mm. which is something that... Uh, what does that mean in the context of Colombia? Uh, somebody who was a uh, revolutionary army before. Uh, so somebody who was a socialist, a communist, mm. um, and he's bringing uh-huh. these ideas mm-hmm. to, to government. So there's going to be some leaning towards uh, socialist countries that is going to be important. I mean, just to tell you, mm. it has nothing to do with what you asked me, but <laughs> the fact that we have resumed <laughs> diplomatic relations with Venezuela, mm. it's huge. Right. Something that is upsetting the United States is something that is that is important. We're we're brothers. We we share kilometers, thousands of kilometers of borders. Uh, right. So many cultural aspects, language, food, traditions. So it's just normal to have diplomatic relations, and this is something that this new president has brought to the table. And and uh, there's now flights going to and um, from mm. Venezuela. Uh, I think several times a week. So it's it's. It's it's precedent that is warming up to a side that has been neglected for nice, decades, nice. And decades um, by the oligarchy in Colombia. So you will probably see a lot more cooperation. I, I'm looking forward to that. I've uh, I've actually been to Venezuela. I mean, it's a beautiful country. Oh. Yeah, but I've not had the chance to uh-huh. go to Colombia. Um, the reason why I asked about trade is because I really look forward to that. There's so many wonderful, especially natural pr- uh, produce that we she could... She just wants avocados. <laughs> yes, I really want the avocados. <laughs> but, you know, I follow this, um, I follow this, uh, uh, like, a TikTok um, video producer, and he is traveling. He has been traveling in South America forever. I don't know how long he has been there. And he goes to all these like local markets mm-hmm. and tries out all these interesting like fruit and fish and uh, I things I can't name. And there's so many like different kinds of ex- exotic fruit. <laughs> Apparently they taste really good. And I'm like, when can we have those? You know, here here in China, uh, hopefully soon. Yeah. Well, one, one of the issues that you have with that is is the, um, the different um, regulations, sanitary. Oh, especially fresh fruit regulations mm. that exist in between countries so that makes it um a little bit uh onerous a little bit um expensive for exporters mm. to to go through all those expenses when the volume is not yet there so that's that's a conundrum right so you need the demand to to be there before they can actually go through those expenses. yeah but do you know how much we pay for avocados here <laughs> they're actually expensive like <laughs> one of the size that you mentioned gotta cost like what like 80 quai or something or like 50 we 80 quai I you, this whole show is out about avocados. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that I really I look... it was going to be about coffee, people. I thought it was going to be about coffee, but okay, here we are with avocados. Yes. Okay, that's your call. Because co- coffee is more obvious, but I know that there are so many other wonderful things that we can trade. You know, we have stuff here in China and uh, these exotic uh, things from Colombia. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. And that's a good question, actually. Maybe brings up a good question, Fernando. Is there, what are kinds of things would Colombians buy that are manufactured in China? Pretty much everything. Pretty much everything is manufactured in China. And um, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people um, kind of like complain about. Because oh. our manufacturing also went down because of that, mm. um, but it's it's it is what it is. I mean, it, it's a capitalism system in which the person who produces something for the cheapest then that's the one who you're going to buy mm. from. Mm. Uh, so it's not dissimilar from what happened, for example, at Walmart or all these mm. places in mm. the U.S. Mm. where there are people providing products that are cheaper. So that's it. This is why there is a lot of manufactured products uh, from China and Colombia. I mean, the the um, uh, trade uh, balance uh, is 
far mm. from being reached. Well, that's why they should work out the policies or the regulations so that they can bring things back in the empty containers, right? <laughs> back to China. <laughs> yes. Coffee, avocado, or all yes. the other wonderful things. Yes. Sounds like avocado and coffee. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> you can have Xiaomi phones or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> no, Huawei is huge in, in Colombia. Huawei actually has a headquarters in Colombia and they have a big office and, and they, they do a lot of our... Uh, infrastructure for telecommunications as well is one of those countries oh. that has gone with Huawei. So you have 5G. We have 5G in certain places, but again, it's, it's a country that has been uh, exploited for so long. Uh, there's just money that's mm. spent and gets lost somewhere along the way. So mm. we, we have a lot of work to do. I mean, Chen Ming said it very well many, many years ago when he said that if uh, Latin America Colombia in particular, invested more in education and uh, in the getting rid of, of uh, corruption, we would be mm. powerhouses, powerhouses around mm. the world because we are so mm. rich in, 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 we have oil, we have minerals, mm. we have fruit, we have mm. all kinds of things. Um, unfortunately, mm. we haven't exploited our, our resources all that well. They haven't gone to, to the markets that can actually bring about change in our country yet so and here i am waiting for that to happen so consumers in <laughs> we'll china get you some avocados she was just talking about avocados in our last show also <laughs> sorry I have, okay so could you tell us how did you end up in china 22 years ago could mm. you tell us the story of that transition well um basically i i started uh, my first uh, language training center in colombia um when i was very young 23 but around uh, 1994 there was an issue with uh president. Uh, he was elected by drug dealer money. So there was some interference uh, from uh, a lot of multinational companies. So um, they basically removed a lot of the personnel from Colombia uh, between 94, 96, 97. And um, I lost my business because my business was basically most of the multinational companies that operated in the country. Mm. I would teach English to their corporate um employees and whatnot but mm. um that saw me going back to a university um uh, so when i worked in the u.s i was teaching kids mm. that spoke uh, spanish as well so i was looking for a challenge uh, going to a place where i did not speak the language so mm. i started looking at asia japan was very attractive but unfortunately they do not take people without my password it has to be from a native hmm. uh, english-speaking country and uh there was thailand which had beautiful lifestyle mm. but the money was not there and when mm. you looked at china there were 125,036 job offers oh, oh. so you just, <laughs> you, to pick. you just had to pick okay <laughs> Wait, but that was a brave decision. You didn't know anyone from China back then? No, look, when I look back, I'm like, what did I do? I mean, the story of me arriving in Shanghai is <laughs> crazy. I right. emailed a guy, he sent me a oh. contract, I went to the embassy, I got a visa, a work visa, and I flew to Shanghai, and the guy was not at the airport mm. to pick me up. And I was like, what What do I do now? Oh. And I'm like, what a needy, I mean, I'm 26, 27 years old at that time, so I'm like, <laughs> god damn it, I mean, all I have yeah. is his email, I don't even have a phone number. 
what am I going to do? Email him from, from where? <laughs> so I'm sitting there by um, right. the exit, right? Baggage uh, baggage claim exit. And I'm just sitting there. Like, I'm just going to catch the next flight mm. back home uh, tomorrow morning because what else can I do? Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm there just contemplating mm. getting back to my home country with my tail between my legs. And all of a sudden, I see this guy appear Aww. like two hours later. Like, oh, are you Fernando? I'm like, I, I didn't know if I wanted to punch him or hug him. Uh, it was just <laughs> oh, so much stress. And then anyway... What? Uh, what happened? Well, he was late. He was uh, fashionably late for Shanghainese. So. Oh, dear. <laughs> so right. that was the beginning Aww. of a very, very so, long So story. your job was in uh, Shanghai? Your first job no, was no, in no, Shanghai? No, no, no. I landed in Shanghai and I was going to work. Uh, I was working at a university in Colombia uh, teaching um, linguistics. Hmm. And uh, I was hired to work at a university in Xi'an, the Xi'an Fang Yudashi. And but mm. the, the guy told me I just oh. land in Shanghai and then we'll go we'll go from there. So I landed in Shanghai and the guy says, Okay, in two days time you're gonna go to Harbin to teach kindergarten. And I'm like What? <laughs> like, yes, yes, very easy. Just apple banana. I'm like <laughs> What are you talking about? This is not what I do. I mean, right. I have brought all my suits. I have brought my, I have brought books from mm. research and whatnot. Like I had brought so much stuff. It's like, no, no, no. You go teach their kindergarten during winter. Mm. And, and after that, you go to, to Xi'an. And I'm like, again, <laughs> contemplating going back to my home country. Punch him or... With my tail between my legs. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just do this. You know, like just plow through, you know, mm. do, do, do what you can. BMX uh, mentality. Go forward. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to Harbin. Whole, I've never seen snow in my life. <laughs> Mine is like 30. I was wearing everything. <laughs> oh, With the wind factor, it was like minus 40. I was wearing everything I owned. <laughs> and oh and that's when I discovered Chinese toilets. And, and going to, to toilet with three layers of uh, hands is just quite difficult. It, it, no, man. It was, it was such an adventure, story, such an experience. I know. Uh, and I was there for, for about two, three weeks. Uh, in in that area, uh, and then in the end we we went back to to Xi'an and we started working there. Mm -hmm. But things didn't go as we planned were offered. <laughs> well, first the guy tells me to go teach kindergarten, and I'm like, okay, let's see what I can do here. And then I ended up in this university, and they wouldn't give us our our, our work visas properly. Aww. So mm -hmm. they gave us uh, a work visa for. A couple of weeks and i'm like but my contract is for a year there was a guy who gave them they gave him a visa for one day i'm like what are you guys uh -huh. like he's expired the next day and i'm like what the heck is this so it was all very wild wild east so to speak at those uh, in those days yeah so well, how long ago was this this is the year 2000 decades ago yeah two decades ago more than two decades ago two <laughs> okay because it is very different now this sounds wild it is Wait, it's not supposed to be like this it's not the, yeah, same. It's not the same no yeah. no no. i mean if people are listening to this and they're like oh it's you see china no, no, no. China has changed a lot. I mean, <laughs> and, and this is one of the things that I talk about uh, in, in my channel, like the, the changes that I've seen and the things that are going in the direction of mm. normalcy, if I dare say, mm. uh, or what you would expect in any in any other country. Like, for example, just to throw something out there, the fact that up until a few years ago, you could go to Hong Kong, get a visa and come back into mm. China and just start doing jobs illegally. That the second oh, yeah, economy yeah. in the world, how is that possible? I mean, if you wanted to go to America, it would you would have to go through so many hoops. Mm. But you want to come to China, all you have to do is land in Shanghai, in, in Hong Kong. Um, so when those things begin, well, I mean, sure, sure, sure. May I, may I interrupt for a sec? Hmm. I knew I knew quite a, pe a lot of people from Latin America living in California, you know, twenty years ago, who didn't have the right paperwork either, and they were also working full time in kitchens and 
things. So I think, you know, there are always gray areas in different countries sure, around sure. the world. Um, what I'm trying to say is that was legal, talking mm-hmm. about it in, in, in California. I mean, because I work with illegal mm-hmm. children. Uh, children, illegal parents. That's what I did mm. in the U.S. But here in China, this is, mm. I mean, they could show a visa and say like, yeah, I'm legally to be here in China. They were not allowed to work, but they were legally right, right. Uh, in China. Mm. So that that was the difference. So when China started to modify its regulations to make it more normal, as in, hey, just show us why you want to go to China and, and prove that you have the means to be in China as a tourist or blah, blah, blah. Mm. A lot of people didn't like it. The people that had been living on on all these mm. loopholes uh, didn't like it. And that, that gave China a bad reputation for trying to be normal. Mm, I see. <laughs> you want to go yeah, to Colombia, yeah, my yeah. country, you also have to go to an embassy and get a, a visa. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm happy you survived, yeah. Mr. Gao. <laughs> the early years. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. I really want to know what happened after your first year. Did you end up finding a more reputable educational program to work for? Well, it was basically six months uh, from from Xi'an. And those two months where we were in, in a limbo, we didn't really know what the situation was. And, and I was really concerned about working mm. legally because I didn't want to be. I mean, I've left everything behind. I wanted to mm-hmm. do things properly. So um, I found a job in mm. Shenzhen. Uh, thanks to the internet and uh, the same thing after two months no visas no nothing I'm like what am I doing but in the end I found um, a job uh, in Dongguan Mm. and uh, that summer of the year 2000 and uh, basically they say like look everything's cool you can come and work and everything will be all right so I liked the fact that they were Mm -hmm. straightforward and I decided mm. to stay. I worked for them for about mm. three years. And then I took uh, a break from, from China. Mm. I went to Thailand ah. to become a, a scuba diving instructor, which is wow. was actually my ori- original dream. I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was a kid. Oh. Wow. And uh, when the savings account hit the red line, <laughs> I decided to come back to mm. China. <laughs> I, I was trying to make it as a, as a scuba diver in, in Thailand, but uh, again, you run into all these issues of, of getting visas. Mm. For a lot of foreigners, it's very easy to cross the border, mm. going to Burma and, and come back in, kind of like, like people would do with Hong Kong before. Mm. But for me, I couldn't do that. So at some point, I decided, no, let's just go back to China and, and focus on, on, mm. on my career, which is to, mm. to be a language teacher. So came back, work another year for this particular training center, which was uh, basically owned by the city government. It was the city translation center. Mm. And uh, 2005, I left and I started my own business. I started my own training center oh. in 2005. So I understand you were involved in a street signage campaign in Dongguan to change the signs. Could you tell us about this? What led to this? Sure. That's <laughs> This is... Okay, that, that took place in 2007, but then I would have to take you to 2006. In 2006, I won kind of like a competition to participate as a language consultant mm. for the city government to help them in a bid before the IFPRA, or the International Federation of Parks and Recreational Areas, uh, which is mm. part of the United Nations. So the city wanted to participate in this competition and they wanted a language consultant. So they hired me um, and uh, through an entire year, we had to go to every single district, every single village, every single corner, every single office, every single department in charge of running the city. 
community because that's what the competition is about. It's about livable communities mm. and what cities do to to make their cities better. Mm. So we have to go to uh, water treatment plants. We have to go to garbage uh, incineration plants. We have to go to power generation plants. We have to see how uh, elections took place and how decisions were made wow, uh, in nice. the community. It, mm. I mean, it was a project that was so eye-opening to me mm, not only about right. china but but in general i mean most people have no idea what it takes to run a city mm. and to run it well mm. is even harder mm. and to run it with a com- with a population this large at that time dongguang was about 10 million people mm-hmm. so for me this was it just gave me so much appreciation right, right. for the city mm. for what the government did for for how things were run mm. that um I felt about, okay, maybe I can give back. Mm. I can give something back. So Ooh. in 2007, um, I saw all this signage that uh, in incorrect English, right? Like this yeah. English or mistranslation. Could be pretty like funny. <laughs> some of the things that a lot of people, mm-hmm. yeah, some of the things that people like to make fun of. And I'm like, I don't like this. I love the city. I, I would like them to, to not be mocked, mm. to not be laughed at mm. because of this. So I drove around for, I don't know, a month mm-hmm. taking different pictures in different areas of the city and i compiled a small book mm. in which i explained to people uh to, in, in government like look this is what i think your problems are they were problems with just mistrans- mistranslation mm. there were problems with um you know how chinese can be very poetic yeah. mm. they like to name things in poetic ways and right. then when you translate that it just doesn't, doesn't make sense it just doesn't translate <laughs> right. it's plain and simple you're like three beauties sitting by the pond like <laughs> Right. <laughs> I get you. Yeah. Um, so so um, I put this together. And I gave it to some people, and the interesting thing is that um, as many things uh, in life, hmm. it just went nowhere for three years. Hmm. The book sat in someone's office, and nobody even looked at it. But in 2010, we had the Asian Games, and uh, Dongguan Guangzhou was hosting the Asian <laughs> Games. But um, there was an event called uh, weightlifting from mm. which uh, we have an athlete that actually won a medal in the Olympics. So mm. they decided that Dongguan was going to host part of that. So because of that, they needed to review the international image of the city. Huh. And then somebody picked up the book and said, like, this guy wrote this thing like <laughs> three, three years, years ago. ago. <laughs> why Why hasn't the government done anything about this? Mm. Why Why this? Uh, he called me a comrade. Like, why <laughs> right. does it? I'm like, I don't know why he called me a comrade. Like, why does... Why hasn't the government... So basically, there was a a journalist kind of like complaining to the government, like, you've been sitting with this information on your desk and now you're worried about it? Mm -hmm. So in order to save a little bit of face, they're like, oh, um, uh, um, okay, (laughs) let's engage this foreigner in this particular project. Mm. So they went on a project of correcting this road signs and finally, well, some of the suggestions that I made were were, uh, taken into account. Mm. And that led to... Another big project, which was the the Greenway. The Greenway was, uh, I think it's like two or 3,000 kilometers of uh, bikeways mm, for people nice. for exercising. Some of them are for transportation. And the mm. mandate from Beijing was that these had to have bilingual signage. Mm-hmm. So um, after different projects with local government, uh, they ended up uh, hiring my office to also do mm. this uh, job. So it all led to, to a lot of contributions to the city. For, for that mm. reason, they nominated me to be one of the candidates of the honorary citizen wow. of Dongguan. You, you sounds like you are very integrated into the local life. I decided that that I was right. going to live my life here. That this was going to I mean this is home. Mm. So um mm-hmm. you want to be you want 
And as a person, I consider myself more of a giver mm, mm, than a taker. Mm -hmm. So I, I I just wanted to do things for, for the city. I just wanted to um, mm -hmm. help the city just get better. I mean, again, it all started from 2006. It was a switch in my head in which like, mm. wow, this mm. they deserve so much more, so much better. Mm. And Beautiful. that's where my love for mm. the city really just went deep. And, and I, I, I love my city. You're listening to The Bridge. Right now, as I understand, you're traveling around China in an RV. How long have you been doing this? And second question, when you're ready, are you ever going back to Dongguan? Mm -hmm. um, look, I've been to, we started in January 20th uh, of uh, 2022. Mm. So it's going to be a year nice. that we've been on the road. Ambitious. We have been, our idea or my idea was to shoot a documentary wow. for China. Uh, visit every province of China. That's shooting amazing. Videos mm. and, and uh, put together a documentary mm. and present mm. it to the country as a present on the 75th anniversary of uh, its founding in 2024. So that's, that's my project, like two, three years of, of doing this work. So we started in January traveling on the, on the East Coast. We went to Shandong, we went to Anhui, we went to mm. um, all the way up to Qingdao. But mm. then again, COVID has, has stopped mm. us. Uh, there's two things that have stopped us. One, COVID, and the other one is that <laughs> we bought the RV in December mm. of 2021. By January, the government said, okay, if you want to drive a, an RV trailer, you need to have a new driver's license. Mm, I'm like, mm. God damn it. <laughs> I think they had the policy for you. <laughs> Fernando bought an RV. Quick change of the law. <laughs> yeah. Let's slow him down. So basically, they, they, they started this thing like, okay, by April, um, the courses will start mm. so people can register. And, and by June, uh, everybody has to have uh, a driver's license, mm. right? So we went through all the process. Uh, there's different people offering different prices. So we found a, a place in Shandong that offered uh, a good price for me and for my wife. My wife is Chinese. Mm. So we wanted both to have that license. Uh, so we went there. We spent some time. We took the, uh, the test. Unfortunately, when we asked them, can we do this test? Is this test available in English? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. The test is available in English. Don't worry about it. So mm. we went full on. We did the theory, uh, sorry, the, the practical test, which is a couple of exercise, parking and turning, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. but when I got to the theory test, written test. I sat on the computer, uh -huh. the written test, right? It's a computer with cameras and whatnot. You cannot cheat. You cannot, nobody can help you. Mm. It's not in English. It's in Chinese. And I'm like, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Well, like, right. uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So basically, they they kind of like gave us the wrong information. For those of uh, listeners to listen to us, don't know the the basic driver license in China is called C1, mm. and you can take that test in like twelve different languages. Okay, so that's not an issue. Mm -hmm. This license for trailers is called the C6, mm. and uh, there are you have to take the theory test is actually the same as the fourth module of the C1. Huh. So when you ask them, oh, do they have it in English? Yes, we have it in English. Mm. But when you sit at the computer and you type in what test do you want to take and you type C6, it doesn't give you the English, it gives you the Chinese. Huh. So it's just a matter of uh, fixing the software. It's something very new, as, as mm. I just mentioned. Mm. So the city hasn't fixed it yet. And, and I think that the demand is not that high. Mm. I think I'm the only foreigner driving around. <laughs> Taking it so far. <laughs> trailer, so. Oh. so right now I have a chauffeur. Mm. Um, she's also my wife. <laughs> uh, she How convenient. <laughs> Sexist. 
Castle <laughs> so I guess it worked out so far, but hopefully you'll be able to take the test soon. Well, we 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 are we are able to to keep moving, and um, right now we are. You were asking me, Jason, if I wanted to come back to to Dongguan. Well, I've actually come back to Dongguan twice. Mm. Uh, we were up in the north uh, in the fall, and then I was contacted by Guangdong TV to come and do a tour mm. of uh, some cities in Guangdong. So, uh, being so close to Dongguan, uh, we did the tour for about seven days. And then I spent a couple of days in Dongguan visiting friends and uh, and uh, taking care of some stuff from my office. And then we went back to to traveling. And now for winter, we also like to spend it here in the south because our pipes get frozen. Mm. So we would be without water if we are too cold. So during summers, we have to be down south. But we are getting ready to start our western loop of, of this tour. We are headed to Guangxi, Yunnan. And uh, from there, uh, Sichuan, start the, the the eastern, the western loop, sorry, of this tour. And that's where we are. So well, now now that you've gotten past all of these obstacles, how long do you think you'll, it'll be? Like months or a year or two before you complete going to every province in China? Um, we want to do it before spring 2024 because the editing process will be long. Mm-hmm. So we have a year and a few months. We've lost about one season three or four months. So we're going to have to move a little bit faster. And there are some areas that we might need to Mm. drop the RV and maybe just take the the car only. There's another interesting thing that Mm. throws a curve to what we're doing is that we're doing it in an electric vehicle. Oh, really? The the tow car is electric. Wow. It's it's a Chinese uh, manufactured car is a Neo. So uh, it's it's also more challenging because we need to... Recharge. We need to go with the development of the EV infrastructure in the country. Yeah. So you can think about those challenges as well. (laughs) The the eastern side of the country is Mm. perfect, no problem. Every 50 kilometers you have a charging station, uh, which is great. Mm. But when you start looking at, for example, Xinjiang, when you start looking at Xinhai, when you start looking at Tibet, for example, Mm. uh, there's there's Mm. a bit more challenge. So we, we figured that what we would do probably is we drop the car somewhere and rent another type of car. In most of these places, they rent mm. these cars that are uh, already set up for towing uh, EVs. Uh, sorry, um, yeah, trailers. So that's one of the things that like we gas might powered do when we hit car. those areas that are a little bit, yes, uh, unfortunately. But one of the other things that I wanted to share with the audience that just people are not going to believe this. When I bought the car, they offered me uh, a service. This is a company that offers a service called swapping of batteries. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you don't need to charge. You're going to a station. Yeah. You're going to a station and within three minutes, Swapping. you get a, a oh, fully right. charged battery, uh, about 95%. So they do that to protect the battery. When I bought the car, they offered me mm. free lifetime mm. battery swapping for my car. So literally, I can travel around hmm. this country, hmm. theoretically, for free. Wow. For free. So <laughs> we do it as much as we can. And yeah. there's another aspect. I mean, for people who are interested in RVing, this is a tag that you have to put on your podcast, RVing in China. They develop now a cable mm. that can send power from the battery of the car to charge the battery of your RV. Wow. So theoretically, now I can power both my car and my RV free. for free here in China. Wow. <laughs> so you tell me, when do I stop? I don't know. Well, I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, why not take a 
fast train and stay in like, you know, two star hotels all over China. What was your thinking when you were you were like choosing an RV as your method of transportation? Uh, my family is a family of five. We've got two cats and a dog. Oh. So that <laughs> makes the options of hotels and things like that quite limited. And, and mm. I mean, their family, I'm not going to leave them behind or just give them away or anything. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, we have to bring them with us and. Yeah, that's why you see hair in most of my videos. <laughs> I, I just want to say that I really enjoy your videos. And you, uh, I don't know how you chose your destinations, but those are the ones that I saw. They're great destinations, like this place in uh, Guling in Fujian. Um, it's the, the summer resort, or is also you can also say Kuling. Yeah. Do you remember that one? It's about Professor yeah. Milton it's Gartner's. So it was beautiful. And you were quote unquote yeah. stuck there for a month, which is <laughs> actually quite nice. And that was a that was called. Uh, yeah, that was called but I, I wouldn't complain, you know, if I had to stay there for a month. It's beautiful. And I never heard of this place. It's absolutely yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and I was while I was watching uh, the it. The story behind it mm. is so nice. I know. The story of it, uh, that's why I called the video uh, the Diplomatic Mountain. Mm. Because uh, that was at the time when Xi Jinping was in Fujian. Uh -huh. And uh, he heard of this man who loved this mountain so much. So he contacted his daughter in America. He invited them to come. Mm. And it was a big event in, 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 in Fujian, mm -hmm. uh, in Fuzhou. So there's a museum, mm. there's all these things. And it's all about the love that Mr. Gardner had for this mountain. For, Which was actually for, his hometown in a way, yeah. right? Yeah, he grew up there mm. when he lived there for 10 years when he was a kid and, and he kept coming back. Mm -hmm. Um very interesting video, very interesting story, and the place is just you wouldn't believe it. I know. That, I that was, was that was my lockdown. I was so watching I it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, no wonder he loved this place. It's beautiful. And Jason, you will be interested. I think you will love to visit that place, and and also that uh, fishing village in in Shandong. Qingdao. Like, how did you in Qingdao? Yeah, how did you find these places? Did are you well, did you find them online or? Is is one of the things that that we? I mean. The process of deciding where to go is, is is an hour in itself, so I don't know how much time we have. Mm. But first, we need to, uh, for example, in 2022, we were thinking, okay, first, COVID. Mm. We didn't go to Shanghai. We didn't go to Zhejiang or any of those places because of COVID, for example. Mm -hmm. So where can we go that there is no COVID? Or where 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 can we go that is not too red? Oh, we're mm -hmm. not going to get quarantined. Because imagine getting quarantined in an RV with a dog and three and two cats. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not going to fly, right? So mm. that was the key thing for us in choosing a place to go to. Um, mm. Then we need to say, okay. What about water? What about power? What about, is it mountainous, uh, distance mm. for charging? So it, it's a whole process. But mm. in general, we go through a place that has camps. So we have access to power and water. Uh, mm. Particularly in summer, it's very important for the animals to leave them with air conditioning. So we can go out in the car, mm. stay in the RV. So we need to leave them with air conditioning. So that was extremely important mm -hmm. for us. So we go from one RV camp to another. Mm. And we also looked into Douyin. Mm. So we have a destination. Okay, what's there TikTok. to see here? What's there to look? Yeah, <laughs> mm. uh, and and we would find these places and we would go and 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 shoot them. Mm. Um, also, we are in a lot of WeChat groups with RV campers, oh. so um, they suggest, "Oh, this place is great! Oh, this place is great!" And what I'd like to do is, or what we want to do is, we don't want to do videos about places that have already been visited. I mean, I don't want to make a video mm. about Shanghai because well, there's 125,000 mm. videos of Shanghai. I want to go to small <laughs> places. I want to small mm. villages, stories that haven't been 
told and, and, and places that haven't been showcased and, and interesting things. So that's that's one of the things that we have the flexibility to do when we do this tour. Can I can I ask, like, you've been on the road for uh, over a year now? It's going to be it's a year. It's going to be a year. How can you afford this? And when I watch a video, they, they are really high quality videos with, um, what do you call those things? Like the thing that fly in the sky and shoot from the sky? What do you call those? Uh -huh. What do you call those things? Drones? Uh, the drones, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these are... It seems like you have a team to help you. Uh, is there a way of making a decent living while traveling? Well, basically, um, I continue doing coaching. Um, I do coaching online. So every oh. evening between, um, I don't work on Mondays. Mondays is my day off. But mm. from Tuesday to Friday, I have coaching for a couple of hours. So different customers that I do uh, language coaching. I see. Um, and uh, that's uh, enough for, for us. Because remember, I mean, <laughs> I move my car for free. Mm. I power my, <laughs> my RV for free. <laughs> so it's all about just paying for food and and and, and just keeping Parking my taxes and whatnot. Uh. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean that's another interesting thing. We pay very little. I mean now that we have this cable that gives power to the RV, we don't need to go to RV camps. Mm. We really don't need to go to RV camps. So mm. um, we can stay in parking lots for free. Wow! So we've <laughs> over the last we got this cable in October, and since then we have stayed probably twenty percent of the time in camps mm. most of the time we're just in parking lots mm. so we go to to a sports arena whatever we just park there and that's mm. it um so our living costs are really really i'm saving so much money oh. because my costs are are very very low it's just food and mm. and um yeah just moving the car here and there like uh toll fees and whatnot mm -hmm. we we only travel on highways mm. um because of the fact that we have an electric car right. if you have a mountain for example mm. and you go in small roads that's going to consume a little more battery because of traffic lights and stop and go mm. you rather have the inertia of being rolling on a highway which has a, a steady incline and right. you also have chargers every 50 60 kilometers so so you're safer, safer that way so mm. that's another cost for us um, and when you get an avi on a highway you pay for two cars oh you pay for two cars the front car oh, oh, right, the, right, right, right. the, the towed car mm. yes they charge you uh, mm. for two um so that's how i afford my things now you were asking me about the quality right. of my videos um i've been making videos for about since 2017 mm. And over the course of those five years, I've accumulated quite a lot of gear. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, I'm what people describe as a gear freak. Uh -huh. So oh, I buy oh. better cameras and better lenses and better mics and better this and better that. So that's where I am. These but are costly. Point where, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've invested a quarter of a million mm. RMB in gear. Oh, wow. And, oh. and uh, I carry that in my RV. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. You mentioned at the very beginning of the program skydiving. You've also mentioned going to Thailand to become a scuba diving instructor. Mm. But as I understand, you're also into windsurfing, Ironman challenges, and wow. more. Could you tell us about this part of your life? I, I went to a school, a French school, and part of the philosophy was from Sartre. And Sartre has this uh, very pessimistic outlooking life, as in make your life count. So mm. you could die at any moment. So that's one of the things that influenced my, my, the way I live my life. So I want to make it count. Mm -hmm. So I give myself like five-year projects, okay? Uh, in the next five years, I'm going to do this. In the next five years, I'm going to do that. And I dedicate mm -hmm. a lot of my time, money, effort into getting as far as I can up that road. Mm -hmm. So the first one was probably uh, skydiving. Uh, mm -hmm. I started skydiving when I was quite young, 20 to 23. Mm -hmm. um, 
then it was coming to China, then it was uh, becoming a scuba diver, mm. um, and so on and so forth. So starting my own company, that's 2005. Mm. And around 2011, uh, I started um, thinking, okay, how can I get in shape? Let's start riding bicycles. Let's start swimming. And uh, I started Ooh, joining. Is that how you met Jerry? No, 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 no. No, no, no. I didn't meet Jerry. I didn't meet Jerry like that. Mm. It was it was completely, completely different situation. Mm. But getting back to, to these um, objectives that I gave myself, when I look back at my life, there are highlights that I can point mm. at and say, like, I've, I've lived uh, an interesting life. I've lived an interesting life and I've accomplished uh, so many things. Right. And, and I, I, I like that. So it's something that guides my day to day. It's, it's mm. a big objective, but then there are day to day steps that you take uh, towards that. After triathlon, mm. it was uh, just learning about making videos um, i started from mm. zero and i've learned uh, a lot about <laughs> well composition and editing and sound and color and blah blah mm. blah so it's something that i enjoy i enjoy learning and challenging myself uh, to do new things now oh. i'm getting oh. into this mm. rving lifestyle and there's a lot of learning there's a lot of learning. One of the things I see on your social media channels, in addition to showcasing China, you also talk about bridging, like much like our show, where you're trying to help people outside of China have a better understanding of China. Could you tell us a little bit about what you think maybe people outside of China get wrong and what you would like them to uh, know? It's so much because mm. I think that everything that a lot of the people outside of China get in terms of information is filtered through just a few news networks mm. and those new networks have uh, agendas and have objectives and and things that they want to achieve that are not necessarily along what china is doing or what china wants to do so there's mm. a lot of mm. misinformation out there about china mm. just one word democracy when people say mm -hmm. oh china doesn't have democracy i'm like just step back for a second and let us <laughs> explain to you how the democratic system of china mm. exists it is different it's not one person one vote but mm -hmm. but it there is there's just the the elective right um the election side of uh, democracy and then there's the consultative side of democracy mm. and they're both here in different ways but they're both here mm. um so that's that's what i mean there's so many things about china that are misunderstood we're very close to a place that celebrates the the dog meat festival oh. we're very close to that place mm. and mm. i was talking to my wife and we were doing some research about it and basically one of the issues that the government has is respecting the traditions it is a tradition of these people mm. and people are like why don't they legislate against it why mm. don't they like well it's mm. it's a problem it's a problem so um mm -hmm. those are things that that people don't understand how much the government in china actually listens to people and how they how yes, they deal yes, with with definitely. the different um conflicting situations uh, around yeah. the country so uh, it, it gets mm. misrepresented a lot unfortunately and mm. and that's what i said that there is just a lot to talk about i just gave you two very disconnected examples of misinformation that people need to learn a little bit unfortunately mm -hmm. when you're trying to explain things to people they will automatically say oh you just just a shill just a mouthpiece from the government and i'm like <laughs> i'm just a guy i'm just a guy connecting <laughs> right. dots and trying to explain to you how things actually work because mm. we see them we live them we we mm. we experience them there are things that we don't understand there are things that we, that we disagree with like not having an English version of the C6 uh, license. <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> there are so many things that, not yet. So, uh, do you know what I mean? Uh, 
it's not everything is uh, roses and peaches and,、mm. and and happy birthdays every day.、Mm. No, there are issues, but there's a a side of understanding that is not even there's no effort. In Western minds to try to understand China, right?、Mm-hmm. That's、um, the problem, and that's、yeah. what makes the、uh, the job of of informing them a little bit harder. But、mm. we can't stop. I think it's important that people get to know、um, how things really are here in China. Yeah.、Um, I, well, the more important China is, the more important that message is. Can I can I ask you another question? You mentioned going to a French school. So, do you speak French? Yes. Do、so、you speak、yes. Spanish, English, French, and Chinese?、Uh, well, Chinese, I would say a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I, I can actually communicate a bit orally, right? But、um, I don't read or write,、mm. and, and that's my issue. Well, that's actually very impressive, anyway. <laughs> One of your videos,、wow. you spoke French. I was like, wow, how many languages <laughs> does Mister Gao speak? <laughs> no, it's、um, it's just a matter of of、um, mm. how I was brought up. I mean, my my family is、um, kind of like half European,、mm. so. Spanish and French.、Mm. So for my mother's side of the family, it was very important that we actually went to a French school. So me and my brother, we both went to 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 a French school, and that's what we picked、mm. up. You've been、that's、here、easy. in China more than twenty years, and your family presumably are back in Colombia. Do you travel back home sometimes? And if so, what is that like? Yeah, how long does、um, it take? When I okay, so I'll tell you how many times I've been to Colombia. I've been to Colombia about four times.、Mm. I think、mm. I might be five.、Uh, don't remember. But the first time was in two thousand. And one, my father had a heart attack,、oh. so I just dropped everything and、um, I, I went back home to be with him.、Mm. Uh, and I came back here. And after that,、uh, my parents and I, or that time, we had a conversation. Said like, "Look, it's very complicated for you to come here. So why don't we do something? From now on, we'll go to see you."、Mm. So my parents would come、wow. to China every two, three years,、uh, and they would stay with me for three months. So、nice. I could stay with my business,、mm. I could stay with my work. I didn't have to cancel things, or or it was not just the cost of going, but the the cost of not working,、right. which was. <laughs> really expensive. Exactly. So、right. the fact that my parents wanted to come here made、uh, things a lot easier,、mm. and、um, they came here like three, four times, and they absolutely loved this country. <laughs> I would send them around. I would、yeah. uh, awesome. take them touring Beijing,、mm. Shang, um, Beijing, Shanghai,、um, Sanya, Guilin, all over the place. All those so, beautiful places. Indeed.、Yeah. So that ended up in 2012、mm. when my dad couldn't travel anymore.、Um, his health had deteriorated.、Mm-mm. So I started going back a little bit more. I went in 2015.、Mm. So、uh, think about it. I mean, I went in 2001, 2010, 2015,、mm. and then 2018. So I've been in this 22 years. I've been back home only four times. It was good that they were here to visit. They're able to visit here. Oh, they they loved it. And my brother also came with his family. My brother、mm. was doing a, a master's degree in 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 England,、mm. together with his wife, and、uh, they hopped on a plane and came to visit us.、Uh, also, nice.、Um, so they stayed also for a month. Well, I got a question. As an American, where where did you、uh, study in the U.S.?、Uh, it was in、uh, Austin. Oh, okay,、Texas. great.、Uh, and then I hopped to to Oceanside to to teach in California.、Oh. You, you're from California, yeah.、Right? I am. Okay, kind of all over. <laughs> so that's that's my my my、yeah. thing.、Uh, and、uh, we've been to France a couple of times.、Uh, mm. a, a lot of places. I want to go to Africa.、Mm. That's my my dream list. Well, <laughs> I'm sure you will get there someday. And、uh, especially now, the I can say, I guess the pandemic is almost over. Um, is still lingering on a little bit, but I think people、mm. psychologically are freeing ourselves from 
you know, the thoughts about it. And also, I, I just want to mention to our listeners uh, in China, you know, if uh, I recommend Mr. Gao's uh, Billy Billy account, you also have a TikTok account, right? Uh, yeah, well, basically, um, I send TikTok and Douyin. When you guys say TikTok, do you mean Douyin, right? Douyin, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because I was, um, I really enjoyed your videos. And also, uh, especially this one in which you talked about uh, f- uh, freedom. Right. You know, um, when people talk about China, they they like to talk about democracy and also to like to talk about freedom, because for some reason, a lot of people outside China think we don't have freedom. And we're like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's almost like an odd question. And I really like your video about um, how you mentioned uh, in living in China with over two decades of uh, experiences living in China. Fear. Yes. You're feeling about the Chinese way of freedom, which is freedom from fear. And I thought that was such um, a good uh, expression because I, I living here, you know, I grew up here and for all these decades, I never really thought about fear because it was just not part of uh, my life. But it was um, almost enlightening to, to know that, oh, you know, uh, it's actually it's a great gift. It's probably one of the greatest gifts to live without, you know, with this freedom from fear, um, not afraid, as you said, not afraid for my life and not afraid for my property. So um, I, I also want to thank you for making that video. Yeah, that's a that's a, a weird thing, because you don't you don't know that that's an issue outside of China. You don't know that countries have. Right. I never realized I was, mm. I was mugged when I was nine years old. Um, I, I was next to a bomb that exploded when I was uh, 14 oh. years old. Whoa. I mean, I've seen. I've seen violence. I've seen cars being stolen right in mm. front of me. The the petty crime, the serious crime, the terrorism. Mm. When you are not, when you are away from that, mm. there's a weight off your shoulders. There's there's something like I I, I get goosebumps. Sorry, I get goosebumps when I think about this, and uh, mm. it's so sad. But at the same time, I want Chinese people to know that that you have a country mm. that gives you this freedom from fear mm. and it's something that hurts a lot of people outside of china mm. but it's the truth it's the truth you in, in my country mm-hmm. you cannot walk out with your yeah. new iphone and talking on the streets because somebody gonna snatch it you cannot drive rich people mm. drive crappy cars because they don't want to <laughs> draw attention to themselves and get it's so mm. dystopian it's so weird mm. so yeah that's that's a video that i wanted to make mm. because it's very valid it's, it's one of those things that i value the most about my life in china not being afraid mm, because um people talk about freedom in china but uh, very few can sum it uh, as well as you did uh, freedom from fear um yeah. Fernando, so baby, I, we could talk all day, I'm sure. But unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining the program. All right. No, thank you both. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Gao. And and I'll be watching. I'll be waiting for your new videos and uh, stay safe. And uh, hopefully, you know, you can follow the new charging stations wherever they're building them. <laughs> hopefully they <laughs> will take the, you to all the, the places you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining yeah, us. Thank you. Join us next time on The Bridge.